It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The trade deadline is February 9, which by my count or my watch, depending on where you are in the world, that's uh, approximately 34 days away. And the Bucks, known traders. We think maybe they need to make a move. We think maybe they're going to make a move, just looking at the roster and the pieces they have. But who do they need and who are the targets? Frank's here. We're going to break down some of the possibilities for this Bucks team that, let's face it, does have limited assets. So let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we're here to talk trades today, which let's face it, that is what this is one of the biggest topics that people want to talk about in the off season at the start of the season, but particularly in the next month on the lead up to the trade deadline. So we're going to get into it today and have some fun. And I'm sure we're going to get some good suggestions from those that are jumping in the stream on YouTube, which reminds me, thanks for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day. And if you're missing out on the fun on the live stream on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell. You'll be notified when we do this. We've started doing this over the last few weeks and uh, it's good. It's fun. It's pretty good stuff. We get to involve uh, everyone with our listeners and viewers as well, which is fun. So uh, we're going to do that today and we'll probably take some suggestions from the listeners and viewers that are jumping in the comments as well. I'm sure there'll be some superb ideas uh, for today's podcast that's brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. So, Frank, let me set the scene here because the big question for the Bucks right now is just simply what do they actually need? Now, that is a little bit of a challenge for this team because as we've discussed, their best four players, whether it's Giannis, Drew, Chris, and Brooke, have played 45 minutes together for the season. Drew, Chris, and Giannis have played 69 minutes together. And then Giannis and Chris have only played 138. And we're nearly halfway through the season. Adding the fact that Joe Ingles has barely played and all the other stuff that's going on, we haven't really seen this team. So that is a challenge. But we think we know the pieces they have. Right now, they're 26th in offense. They're 23rd in three-point percentage. They're 24th in half-court offense and 24th in transition offense. So we think that they have some offensive problems despite the fact we think they have a top three defense and the personnel to do so. We've seen it in the postseason before. So the first question I think we have to ask ourselves, what do they need? Yeah, and and I, I think you, you kind of alluded to it, but I, I think you have to view this through the lens of what are they going to need when they are healthy-ish with the the big three plus Brooke Lopez uh, available. And you might say, well, geez, Chris Middleton, like is this guy, <laughs> when yeah. is he going to start playing again? That seems kind of presumptuous to, to, to just assume that, that he's going to be healthy soon. Yeah. But I mean, again, like without a healthy Chris Middleton, like there is no like championship, like we saw it last year. It's just, you're, you know, the, the climb is just too steep. Um, without Chris. Uh, I I do think part of the calculus for looking at trades is thinking about, you know, hey, if a guy can potentially give you more cover in the event that Chris misses portions of games or, you know, you have to cope with him for a week in the regular season or the playoffs for that matter, of course, like that's bonus points. You know, I'm not saying you you wouldn't want um, to look for guys like that. But but I think the, the real area of need to me um, is the area, you know, 
who were people complaining? Who have people been complaining about for the last, you know, not not even like month, but go back to, to last year's playoffs? Well, it was the guys who were playing shooting guard, kind of the the bench, you know, backup guards, guard rotation, right? It was Grayson Allen can't make a shot against the Celtics and he's too small and he's getting bullied. It was what's George Hill doing? We want Javon Carter. Now it's Javon Carter can't do anything and you know, he's been in a horrible slump for the past you know, basically everything but November of this year. Um, and, you know, we're just seeing, again, especially about Chris Middleton, uh, the lack of creative, you know, sort of the lack of scoring depth and also just the lack of size, especially in the backcourt, is is being exposed. Um, and, you know, again, like there's – Wes Matthews is kind of around and occasionally we see him, and obviously he was really important in the playoffs last year. So, again, they have a lot of – a lot of dudes that can, that can play like the two, mm-hmm. three. Um, the problem is who are like three of those guys that you really trust to absorb all the, you know, first off the starting shooting guard minutes or combo guard minutes, whatever, right. With, with Drew, you have flexibility. You could have another point guard playing with Drew. Although we've seen the past two years, I mean, the offense in the regular season has been awesome with Drew and, and no other point guard playing next to him. Um, but I think it's, it starts with the starting shooting guard spot or that second guard spot. And then you look beyond drew, who are the other guys on this team that can, can create scoring opportunities. And I think the good news is, again, if you're assuming that we're looking at through the lens of a healthy bucks with Chris Middleton and drew holiday and Giannis and whatever Joe Ingles is going to be, then, you know, you, you don't have quite the same need for a, point guard that's going to go out and create a bunch of offense and be like a microwave score or something like that. Uh, that said, could that be beneficial? Certainly could be beneficial in the regular season from a depth standpoint and, you know, maybe in the playoffs too. Right. Um, especially if, again, you have to cope with, with any period without one of your main sort of offensive focal points. So yeah, that that's kind of where I've been focusing. And again, this gets back to some of the conversations we've had as well about like why I just kind of like couldn't, really get enthusiastic about the Jay Crowder talk. And he's like the one guy that, you know, I think there's been verified reporting about the Bucks being interested in acquiring him. And again, there's the thing that I've always struggled with Jay Crowder is like, Hey, would you want Jay Crowder on your team? Sure. <laughs> I'll take Jay Crowder on my team. I'm not saying I wouldn't want him. I'm not saying he couldn't potentially be useful, but uh, you know, I was on, Seth Partnow's podcast last week. Um, and, you know, we kind of talked about it. And it's like, and he, he brought it up again with Jake Fisher today. Um, Jay Crowder has at some point in his career played the three, but he's pretty much been a four man the last few years. And I think I was talking, was I talking to Eric? I think, I think Eric was looking at it and like trying to see like, did Jake Crowder actually defend Jason Tatum at all in any of these like recent Sun Celtics games the last couple of years? And like, he hadn't, like he just, that hasn't been his role. So, you know, with a guy like Jay Crowder, anybody who's like primarily like a four man, I'm just kind of like, you know, again, you can tell me that, that that's a guy that could play like small ball lineups with Giannis, Giannis the five, that guy at the four, like, yeah, it could be, there's something there, but fundamentally Giannis is playing the vast majority of his minutes at the four. And so if you've got, especially in the playoffs, 40 minutes of Giannis mostly playing at the four, maybe he gets like, five to eight minutes playing the center or something like that just doesn't leave a lot of time for another guy. And, and certainly not a guy that you're going to give up a, a big price to, you know, you're not going to like use your main assets, which are very limited at the trade deadline for a guy like that. Again, it sounds like the bucks look very closely and might've been close to trying to do something like that. So uh, I'm not saying the bucks don't see some appeal in Jay Crowder, but for me, it's just like the thing we came back to as well. It's, it's not just about is Jay Crowder a worthwhile guy? Would you like to have him on your team in the playoffs? It's also what else is available. And, you know, I think there's, there are guys out there and the prices are going to vary and we'll get into it, but I think there are other guys out there that I think fit more positionally and can be higher leverage guys who could potentially start and be that fifth starter and who could be actually, you know, a more reliable kind of potential closing type guy than a Jay Crowder guy or, you know, whatever, pick, pick any other kind of foreman that that you might sub in for Jay Crowder. Okay, I totally agree. And now we need to get into some names. Now, 
as this is kind of how me and you are, are different to each other, I jotted down some names on my little notepad here. Uh, you've got a beautiful Excel spreadsheet that you have shared with me as well, which goes along with your uh, cap sheet. But let's face it, it's on your bio on Twitter and Bucks fans. If you've got any cap questions or if you've got any salary questions, or you want to just know the general lay of the land when it comes to the Bucks. Go to Frank's Twitter, F Madden NBA. Hit the hit the link. Go to the cap sheet. And uh, you'll get a lot of your answers there. So it's a handy tool. I use it as well. But the Bucks are looking for uh, players to fill new roles. It's going to be the idea of this trade deadline, which reminds me of our friends at LinkedIn. And as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. It's very relevant to the Bucks. They're, they're trying to surround Giannis with team members that fit what he's going to do for this team in the postseason. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences. Value is very important. Got to have a good locker room member. And experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data. So we know what guys have done before. Uh, in the past but uh, you can't just rely on that particularly with aging players potentially like Jay Crowder he's been sitting at home what's he been doing over the last few months we're not 100% sure Uh, so that's why uh, LinkedIn Jobs will give you all the information you need LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash locked on MBA that's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Frank. I had a little bit too much fun with that LinkedIn jobs uh, ad read, but now it's time to get back to business. The names that we have. So I've got this cap sheet up. There was some stuff this morning around Bojan Bogdanovic. So I know we've got some comments in the chat and it was pretty, let's just say it was pretty loose stuff. It wasn't anything really rock solid, but uh, no doubt Bogdanovic, funnily enough, acquired for not all that much by the Pistons at the start of the season. The Pistons are in just absolute no man's land as they have been for quite a while. Bojan Bogdanovic in a 19 mil expiring. I don't really know what the Pistons in terms of what they would want for him. I think ultimately it'll come down to how many contenders are outbidding each other. Now we know the Bucks don't have a lot. Uh, what do they have in terms of future draft picks? I know it's like 2029. 20, they've got a first, they've got a bunch of seconds, but in terms of draft capital, it's a little, it's probably bare than what some of the other contenders might be able to put on the table. Unmute yourself there. brother. You've got, um, you know, multiple seconds over the, the next few seasons that, that you could potentially cobble together. Um, but in terms of a first round pick that yeah, you got to go way out to uh, uh, Colin Nelson in the chat, just pointed out that Jordan Clarkson was on LinkedIn the other day. So good, good man. You know, you know, the, uh, the listeners are on when, uh, when they're making jokes involving <laughs> our topic and the ad reads. So shout out to you, Colin. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, I don't see anybody, and it's hard for me to say this because, look, on the one hand, like, let's be honest, right? Buck's window is now. Yes, Giannis is, is 28. You have obviously that it's not like it's championship or bust for Giannis this year. But Drew, Chris, those guys are not getting younger. They are, you know, not going to get better. You're really just hoping for their aging curves to be um, relatively flat and that whatever decline does not come sharply. And obviously with Brooke Lopez, as awesome as he's been this year, you hope that that he can just continue doing that. But, you know, it is what it is. He's 34 years old. So, um, so I, I think in practicality, um, you gotta, you've got to really like, I, I just don't want to give up a, a first round pick that far out, especially like, you know, anything that's 
you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, like throwing around, talking about like unprotected picks and getting into like sort of these Laker discussions. Like, I, I just think that's a really scary place to go, especially just given the types of players that are being discussed, right? If, if there were more appealing guys or guys that I felt like, you know, could be the third or fourth best player on, you know, for Giannis to, to grow with over the next few years, then, then that might be a little bit different, but I don't know. I just, the names I just, that are out there, I just don't find compelling enough to go all the way to, to throwing in a first round pick. And, you know, for a guy like Boyan Bogdanovich, I mean, he, he didn't fetch a first round pick in the off season. So <laughs> as much as he's played well and had some nice moments with Detroit, you know, he got extended, got some extra money. Um, he's what owed, I think like including this year, three years, about 60 million. I think he turns 35 this year. So it's like, I'm not giving up a, <laughs> not giving up a 2029 first round pick um, for that, especially because with a guy like Boyan, um, I don't know. I mean, like, can you, th- th- again, this gets to my, 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 my litmus test question, especially if you're talking about giving up a lot for a guy. And that, again, you know, multiple second round picks, you could say, well, that's, that's not a first round pick, but again, like, then at that point, all you've got is, is a first round pick to sort of work with in the coming years. Um, is that going is, is to start with Chris, Drew, Giannis, and Brooke? Is Boyan Bogdanovich? I mean, I, I feel like he has played some shooting guard in, in the past, but like looking at just like his positional distribution of the last couple of years, I mean, he's, he's a three part-time four guy, which makes sense. He's, you know, six, seven and 34 years old. Like the, it's hard you know, with hit for a guy like that to be running around chasing shooting guards on the perimeter. And so, um, you know, could you play him? Could Chris Middleton do that? We saw Chris do that, you know, against, for instance, the Miami Heat running around chasing Duncan Robinson for our playoff series. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but, um, you know, you add that layer. And then I think the other piece too, like I would say Boyan, um, Eric Gordon, um, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I think might honestly might be the best fit among some of the guys that could be out there. If you think Atlanta was willing to trade him due to just the huge sort of cap tax issues that the Hawks are lining up for. Um, All those guys are in sort of like the high teens in terms of their salaries. Bogdan's an expiring 18 million. Um, And besides, I mean, let's be honest, it was faded. We, We can't, we all roads lead back to Bogdan Bogdanovich discussion to some extent. But if you talk about John Horst is well, playing chess, not checkers. This was his plan all along. Suck it, NBA. <laughs> but if you talk about like Boyan making nineteen and a half million, Eric Gordon um, making a, about the same amount. He's got a player or a non guarantee for around twenty million again next year. Bogdan at eighteen million. It, it becomes very hard just to aggregate the salaries to to make a deal there um, because again you have to be at basically it's like whatever outgoing salary, one hundred twenty five percent of that plus one hundred k has to get you to those numbers. And so like I was looking at it today, I think Boyan to make a deal for him, if you were to package up Grayson Allen, George Hill and Jordan Wara, who I think Wara is trade eligible on the 15th, um, that trio, I think works out to like 19 point, like 4 million or something, you know, some, something on that order. And I think Boyan's at like 19.55 million. So like you just, you just can't, aggregate enough salary with that group of three and especially when you're in season like doing these lopsided trades when teams like maybe have one extra roster spot and they're going to have to you know waive guys and eat salary just to absorb multiple contracts like they the pistons or any other team they don't want to have to eat salary just to take your random dudes that they don't really want just to match a salary for the guy that you're shipping back and sending with again, multiple second round picks or something like that. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think that's like the best deal that, that the Pistons are going to get for, um, for Boyan Bogdanovich. So it, again, like all these guys who are in that, that general salary range and again, call it Eric Gordon, who's kind of similarly like, you know, Eric Gordon's like at least like a true shooting guard. Um, I don't know how much defensively he's got left. I think, you know, at least two, three years ago, he was still, a, would say a very frisky defender, strong guy, even though he's not that big, pretty good wingspan. Um, but, but again, like Eric Gordon, really tough to make the money work. Um, great, you know, definite floor stretcher. Uh, right. But, but between Eric Gordon, Bogdan and Boyan, it's just, you know, right off the bat, very hard to make the money work for all those guys. 
Um, so I don't know, let me, let me pause there before we get like, kind of, I was thinking we kind of like work our way down sort of the salary, uh, groupings. Cause obviously a lot of the more expensive guys are also the guys that are going to take more to get them just in terms of value. Um, and I, again, I don't know why Houston is necessarily like, they seem like really hesitant to trade Eric Gordon, which doesn't, I don't really get to be honest, but you know, he's, he's been on the trading block for like a year and a half and hasn't been traded. So I guess, you know, they, for some reason value his veteran leadership even though the other day he was basically saying that like the team hasn't improved at all which i thought was kind of funny so um but i don't know any any thoughts from you on on that kind of trio to to start with well the only thing i would add and because a few people are mentioning it and and this was something that i brought up you know originally and i know what people are going to think this is blasphemous to say but when uh, joe ingles came back i said well now at least you get six weeks to have a look if they really thought that there was a move there that they could make that would significantly upgrade the roster. Now, I don't think that they're, they're going to trade Joe Ingles. I don't think that. But that, with the 6.5-ish, is obviously another way they can get there a little bit easier. And, and maybe for some team, depending on who it is, it's a little more attractive. The only thing I would say with Houston is that, and this is why I, it's makes sense to go through all these names and have a look at all these options because... I didn't think that there was any way the Bucks had enough to make PJ Tucker work either. And and I, you know, still to this day, I'm a little bit surprised that that went down. I, I went back just to make sure my mind wasn't going crazy. But, you know, you eventually, you essentially had DJ Augustine, a contract that was no good. DJ Wilson, a guy that never played. And then you basically just swapped back about eight or nine spots in the draft. I mean, it's an unbelievable trade that went down for such a guy for uh, a player that was so impactful on a championship run. So that's why I kind of, yeah, one, you, you know, Ingles, if they really want to go in, but you never know what these teams are going to do. It does seem like there's a, a pretty robust market this year. We saw the Celtics at least create a roster spot this morning as well. We think maybe they're setting themselves up to make a move. So there's going to be a number of teams that are going to uh, look to do so. I think we just go through the list, uh, but I'll, I'll get to bet online first so then we can just roll through. And, and go as long as we need to go. And let's be honest, we're going to go long today. There's no doubt about that. So go to betonline.net. Uh, this is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Uh, as I pointed out the other day, the Bucks were down to fourth favorite uh, for the championship, and Giannis was fourth favorite for MVP at betonline.net. Now, it's been a couple of nice days for Giannis, no doubt about that. The Bucks at least won a couple of games. Hopefully, they'll get some bodies back in the next week, so maybe you see some value there. But it's not just basketball we've got uh, college sports and uh, obviously nfl that is cruising towards the postseason as well and the packers are just uh, starting to get some stuff done i hear it's a pretty big game this weekend so go to betonline.net uh, to find all the latest odds news and analysis it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info uh, that's bet online where the game starts we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Uh, I'm looking at this list, Frank. And by the way, uh, I should point out, we did have a note from Alexandris who uh, did point out that uh, Bojan, and you said it as well, Frank, that we're going to give some credit here. Uh, Alexandris did say uh, that Bojan signed an extra two years. So there was another two years added to that deal once he went to Detroit there. So not an expiring this year. Uh, great pickup. Do you, do you want to just go through this list from the top? Is that what you're thinking, Frank? Because Alec Burks is at the top. Well, I mean, this, yeah, don't, I, I wouldn't treat this like a, I'm, I'm kind of literally reordering this on the fly. But I, so the one other guy, let, let's, let's take it sort of by, by groupings. So like the, the kind of like high rent district guys that I have here, again, I, uh-huh. I've been using sort of 20 million as a cutoff. I just think like Buddy Heels, I think, I think a little over 20, um, you know, Seth, Seth actually mentioned Buddy Heel just as like a microwave sort of shooter scorer guy as a potential option. I, I just, again, once you start getting into those dollar figures, I think just that salary aggregation becomes really hard. And by the way, Kane, I'm proud of you, of you being the one that bring bring up Joe Ingles as a potential piece in a trade, because I mean, in practicality, it's like, 
who would you rather have, Boyan Bogdanovich as a 3-4 guy going into the playoffs or Joe Ingles? No slight to Joe Ingles, but I think... Well, it depends who you ask, take... Frank. So just uh, watch your mouth there, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's sort of one of those things. It's like, well, if you're acquiring Boyan Bogdanovich, who's like a 3-4, like, why are you, like, desperately clinging to Joe Ingles? You know, I, again, if, if you can make the deal without including Joe Ingles and you can include those other guys, like, okay, like, I get that. But, you know... I, it's like is 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 Joe Ingles and his expiring contract and you know the um, whatever you know like your your soft spot you know again not your soft spot Kane but mm. um, the Bucks soft spot for Joe Ingles right and and you feel for him because like last year he gets traded while he's hurt and he's just like well what the hell I wanted to sign up with the Jazz and now I'm like kind of floating around like figuring out where I'm going to do my rehab because I'm not ever going to be a Blazer um, yeah it would suck for. <laughs> for joining us to get random sal- randomly salary dumped, um, especially on some like bad team. But I mean, this is the business, right? I mean, y- you got a-, a very nice contract to come to Milwaukee and, you know, this is sort of part of the deal is, is you can be traded. But um, so again, like I totally agree. Like you, I mean, I would hope the Bucks are, are not treating Joe Ingles as an untouchable uh, trade asset because certainly um, we haven't seen enough of it from him to to suggest that that he should be treated as such. But um, but yeah, I'd say the the expensive guys that would be difficult to more difficult to obtain both for contract reasons as well as the fact that they're just good and good players require more assets that the Bucks may not have would be both Bogdanoviches, Bogdan Boyan. Um, Eric Gordon, and then the guy I, I didn't mention, but who I think should be in that grouping as well, Gary Trent. Um, yes, uh, he was one of the Raptors that missed practically every shot yesterday. He did hit that big shot late. Um, but, you know, Gary Trent's a pretty solid defender, um, a guy that, again, is not like a lights-out shooter, but he's also, a, I would say he's like a more dynamic shooter to me than like a Grayson Allen, who, again, I feel like is very much like a standstill shooter, can stretch out a bit, but is not like a guy that, that is shooting heavily contested threes all the time. Um, <laughs> yes. Ayani Khan just suggested that Kane would leave the pod if, uh, if Joe Ingles was traded. Hey, Kane, <laughs> Kane was here before Joe Ingles. Kane will be here after Joe Ingles. Um, I'm not worried about that, but, but yeah, I would treat, I would not put Gary Trent in there as well. And, and again, like Gary Trent, I, see, see again, like I would put, um, Gary Trent and Bogdan at like the top of my list of guys that I would want. And first off, because they're not 34 years old, um, Gary Trent's only 24. Uh, and it's too young uh, for the Bucks in actual. Things. Yeah, I know. Bog- Bogdan is 30 is 30. So that's more comfortable, right? More, you know, 30. Okay. At least he's 30. Um, but, <laughs> but those guys, I just think, um, you know, Bogdan as well, because he has at least a little bit more playmaking juice as well. Like, I mean, he can actually bring the ball up the court. He hasn't really had to do that in Atlanta, especially just given their point guard depth, but you know, he, he did more of that in, uh, in Sacramento. And then with the Serbian national team, you know, he's been more of a point guard. So, that that is appealing. I mean, that was a, a reason why they were interested in him uh, a couple of years ago. So I, I would put Trent and Bogdanovich ahead of, uh, or sorry, Boyan, Bogdan ahead of Boyan and, and Eric Gordon. Um, but again, a lot of that's just sort of the, the age component. Lots of health Once stuff with Bogey as well. Uh, Bogdan, yeah. I should say. I can't say Bogey. Bogdan, yes. Yeah, B- Bogdan. I mean, he's had knee injuries. Like basically, basically, there's been these kind of random knee issues that have kind of bothered him since he got to Atlanta, essentially. Uh, we saw it in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucs, limited him. Mm-hmm. He, he did come back, but, you know, he, he seemed to be limited. Missed the start of this year, but he's he's playing very well right now. So, again, you hope that that he is um, in a point where hopefully that some of that is behind him. Uh, but he's an expiring contract, so obviously that's a factor with all these things because, you know, that's, that's the other question. It's like the Bucs don't have a lot of cap flexibility. So if you're going out and paying top dollar for one of these guys in terms of assets, yes, the Bucks are absolutely in win now mode, but you really wouldn't want to have to give up, you know, multiple second round picks or something like that. Or, you know, again, I'm not even going to talk about Marjan Bochamp. None of these guys um, I think are, are guys I'm willing to put in, uh, put Marjan into a package for. Um, I'm sure the other teams are going to, that's the first person they're going to ask about. I think, um, you know, that, that, that would be an obvious thing from a Bucks asset list, but um, but if you are giving up stuff, then if you're acquiring a, a, an expiring guy like Bogdan or Gary Trent, I mean, don't, part of the reason those guys would be available is just because those teams are trying to figure out where are they going to spend their money and, you know, very similar situations in terms of, you know, a, a Toronto, like 
what do they want to be, right? Like, are, are they going to try to ship off like Fred Van Vliet, which just to me seems so weird. Like he's like the mm -hmm. only like, you know, point guard ball handler that normal ball handler they have. And yet there's all these questions about, do they even want to pay him again, keep him just given that he's getting into his late twenties. So, you know, Gary Trent seems like the most likely guy to leave just based on some of the chatter. And he's obviously not a perfect player, but I do think he's a really solid fit for, for a team like the Bucks. Um, why don't I go through, why don't I, I'll just read off kind of the remaining um, group that, that I have. Um, and again, once you get into these guys, I think, you know, there's, they're, they're cheaper, so they're easier to acquire, but I think they all have some warts and, or some of them who are better would just be, be hard to acquire. So um, our friend Dean Maniat's favorite, um, <laughs> a member of the all handsome NBA team, uh, Kelly Oubre, just uh, had surgery on his hand. Is he out like a month or something like that? I think he's out a bit, um, which maybe depresses his value to an extent, but he's an expiring $12 million. By the way, Frank, can I just jump in here? You've got uh, just to let everyone know what this spreadsheet says. It's got name as a column, status as a column, age as a column, role as a comma, uh, column, and then sample often. Now, some of this role stuff is very good, like Eric Gordon, expensive old two-way guard. Uh, Kelly Oubre is a handsome wing chucker. <laughs> <laughs> the spreadsheet doesn't like him. He's, he's handsome. Right. He plays no the doubt. wing, and he's, and he's a chucker. Um, three for three. And, I think, and that's part of why uh, he's available. He's only 26 still. Um, he's a guy that has put up pretty big counting stats in past years. I think he can be a solid defender when engaged slash motivated. Um, but again, that's, that's, I think the, the question mark, I would not say he is a Bucks DNA type guy um, in that regard. Uh, but, you know, hope springs eternal. And if you're a team like the Bucks, again, can you squint uh, hard enough to say like, Oh, maybe we can get, maybe we can reach Kelly Oubre and get him to, to be the type of guy that, that we like. Um, didn't seem like that happened in Golden State. Um, he was there for kind of the worst times in Golden State. Uh, not that that it was all his fault, but um, at least an intriguing guy. And again, could he play shooting guard or kind of wing alongside Middleton and Drew Holiday? Yeah, I guess he's good. But again, he's probably more of a three, three, four than than a two, three or a three, two. Um, Alex Caruso. This one's an Eric name favorite. Eric's been talking mm. to, to us about his love of Alex Crusoe lately. Um, I think he would be very difficult to acquire. We don't know what the bull, what the hell the bulls are going to be doing here. I think though, even if they were to switch to, you know, sell mode, uh, he's got two years plus a non-guarantee um, at under $10 million a year. And every team that is a contender would love to have a guy like this. He basically doesn't shoot anymore. Um, he, he's actually close to 40% from three, but it's like on two threes a game. Like we've seen the Bucks do this. They just like dare him to shoot. And he's one of these guys who like also misses really badly sometimes. <laughs> so offensively, I mean, yes, he can handle the ball. He can bring it up. So if you're basically looking for essentially like a better defensive version for more versatile defensive version of George Hill at this point, are you saying that's kind of what he is to me? Um, but he's really good and he's a winning guy and, um, again, I think it would be at least multiple seconds. And would someone give up a first round pick somewhere in the league? I think he could certainly command a first round pick, especially given his contract. So again, I don't think he's, I don't, I'm, I, I, I don't think the bulls are actually going to trade him, but if they did, I think it would have to be a pretty big offer that I don't think the bucks can, can necessarily match. Yeah. I've already said that Alan for Caruso trade would be hilarious, but you said that he can bring the ball up the floor. Are you saying if you, there's a team out there that's looking to protect a 21 point lead with four minutes left on the clock, he could be valuable. Cause that's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, guy that can dribble without, you know, falling over and, and kicking the ball out of bounds. It's a, it's, it's a nice skill set to have. Um, uh, maybe I won't go exact order, but um Let's go a couple guys in Utah. We've heard so much stuff about Jordan Clarkson. He's putting up 20 points a game this year. Not actually shooting that well, if you look at it. Um, I think his defensive engagement has actually been relatively high. I was talking to Seth about this on his pod. I think he, his argument was Clarkson's actually trying. So, you know, is he going to be worse defensively than Grayson Allen? Probably not. They're basically the same size. So he could probably be like, okay. 
Um, but I think there is a question of like, you know, he's, he's, I think he's starting at this point. He's taking a ton of shots, averaging 20 points a game. He's probably having a grand old time to be honest, to be yeah. honest. living the full Jordan Clark Clarkson experience, or at least to the extent you can do that in Salt Lake city. Um, so uh, again, could he fit in in Milwaukee? I, I think he could. Could you start him? Probably. Um, I don't know that that's the type of guy that you would start because again, I think he wants the ball in his hands. And I don't think with the starters, like you want a guy that's like going to be trying to dribble a bunch and, and take touches away from Giannis, Drew and Chris. Um, probably again, more of a six man. He's a former six man of the year. Um, and he's owed, he's got uh, two years left, but um, one of those is a player option. So essentially he's an expiring contract at close to $14 million a year. Um so again, and, and again, what is the price for this, especially with Utah? Like, you know, this is one of those things like if Utah, the wheels come off in Utah, then I'm sure they'd be much more open to moving him if they continue to be competitive. Are they going to gun for, go for a play-in spot? I, I don't know. But if they do, then obviously you might expect that they would be less less interested in, in dealing him. Um, the other guy there that I think is a very interesting target who uh, I have not heard nearly as much chatter, certainly from the Bucks. Uh, kind of fan Twitter side is Malik Beasley. Um, he's 25 years old. He's got a, um, I can't remember if it's a team option or non guarantee, but either way, basically, if you want him next year at around 16 million, you can keep him for an extra year. And at 25 years old, obviously, you know, you're not trading for him unless you think that that is good value for your money. He, he's a guy who averaged close to 20 points a game a few years ago in, in Minnesota. He's down to about 14 uh, per, per game this year, but he is a close to 40% three-point shooter, and he shoots an absolute ton of threes. He's shooting almost nine threes per, uh, per game, despite the fact that he only plays like 23 minutes or something like that per game. So he is a super high-volume three-point shooter. Um, that's what he does. Uh, and so if, you, if you're worried that Grayson Allen doesn't get up enough threes, Malik Beasley, mm. I think, will find ways to, to get off more threes. Um, and again, he's not you know, much bigger than, than a Grayson Allen type. Um, but you know, again, he's not a wing stopper. Could he be a starter? Yeah, he could be a starter, but again, would you feel like he's your starter for the next five years and you're going to want to keep him forever? Like, eh, I don't know if Malik Beasley's that guy either. Um, so let me, let me pause there. Any, any comments on the Utah guys? I feel like we've talked about Clarkson way more probably than, than we would have liked over the past few months already, but, um, any thoughts on, on that group? So my problem with Grayson Allen, as and I said at the start that I was kind of when the first talks came out about trading him for Jay Crowder, I was out. Certainly, we're doing it in November because I wanted to see him play. I was hoping that guys would get healthy and we would get a look at what they potentially needed, and plus see whether Grayson Allen's taken any strides. Now, unfortunately, we've seen him go super cold these last few weeks. Obviously, he hit the game winner yesterday. So if you're just straight up going to be looking for someone that can score and you think you can shoot the three and commands the respect of the defense, I think Jordan Clarkson does that. And I would say it's an upgrade as a scorer. He, he's going to have nights where he's not efficient. But I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. Like if the Bucks traded for Jordan Clarkson, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he had a 30-point playoff game. Whereas yeah. you would you He would can win be you a random playoff game. Yeah. He can win you a playoff game. And he can he can score those thirty points in a half. Like he is a he is a significant upgrade as a scorer for Grayson Allen. So that I would talk myself into that. If that's the only trade they made and that was the only one that was there, I'd be fine with it. That's what I'd say about Jordan Clarkson. He's just more dynamic as a scorer in virtually every single way. And as you said, the defensive stuff might be a wash. So I'm I'm not totally against Jordan Clarkson if that's the best trade on the table. Yeah, and I think. If actually with, with Clarkson, it's less about just replacing Grayson Allen and more about basically a combination of replacing Grace part of the Grayson Allen minutes and part of like the George Hill, Javon Carter minutes because he yeah, is right. he is actually a backup point guard. So you, you could still start him and just then stagger him and drew a lot. Um or or you could opt uh you know, you could go either way with it. Um let's kind of keep going um in terms of these guys. So uh I guess on the, on the topic of, of Utah guys and former Utah guys, um, Alec Burks, I think Alec Burks might, Alec Burks might be, um, 
I think maybe the most underrate, under the radar guy, he's 31 years old. So he's not in the, you know, he's not like a Gary Trent or a Malik Beasley guy who, who could be part of this sort of next wave of Giannis supporting cast or something like that. Um, and the irony is, and I was joking with Steve on Horn about this, like 11 years ago, 2011. Well, we've just lost Frank. Frank has jumped out. The one thing I would say about Alec Burks, who's been having a, obviously a decent season as Frank was just getting into, he has definitely been someone that over the last few weeks when people jump in my Twitter mentions in terms of people uh, that Bucks fans are interested in, probably more because he feels attainable. Like when you look at some of the names that are higher profile, as we've discussed, obviously Clarkson, Eric Gordon, all these players, they're, they're probably guys that are more well-known and Burks is completely under the radar. So that's probably why he feels like he's more attainable. And as uh, Easy Fly says, Burks equals Frank Killer. Uh, I think that might be right. And we've discussed the stuff with Grayson Allen about has he put the ball on the floor a little bit more this season? And I think he certainly has. He hasn't necessarily finished with high efficiency at the rim. So if you, again, are looking for guys that are probably offensive upgrades, then yeah, maybe Burks is that guy. Certainly Jordan Clarkson is that guy. And as we were discussing, you know, I don't think that in terms of a high-profile addition, Frank, I just started talking about Alec Burks. I think he is one of the guys that just feels like he's more attainable because he's not. Yeah, and and apologies. I, I was on my iPhone and I did not have it plugged in. So <laughs> there you go. Um <laughs> I thought uh, we did have a Amateur. comment that said that we did have a comment that said Alec Burks is the Frank killer, by the way. So, <laughs> well, I was I was saying eleven years ago, twenty eleven draft. I, you know, this was when drafts were actually really important to the Bucks, right? Um, I had gotten to the point. I had convinced myself I wanted Alec Burks over Clay Thompson. You guys remember what the Bucks had? I think the eleventh pick in that draft, trading down and getting Tobias Harris, which you know you could argue was was also he was also better than than Alec Burks um but Burks has had a really nice like and kind of under the radar like solid last couple of years you know his early in his career was like well he's not like is he a great he's not a good enough three-point shooter and then he's become like a really good three-point shooter the last few years and he's got just kind of like a bucket getting aspect to his game he's not like a big strong rugged wing defender by any stretch um but between this year in Detroit and also his last his two years in New York like a guy that the, the Knicks were like always better defensively with him on the floor. The Pistons are better with him on the floor this year. Like there's kind of just some of these like peripheral stats have actually been like quietly pretty good with him. So I, I still would view him more as like, you know, bench scorer type guy, bench score upgrade type guy who, if you, if you acquire him and he's starting, like you're not looking at him like, okay, yeah, let's have that guy start for the next like three years or something like that. He's an expiring contract. You know, I think it is a play basically where you're trading for him so that you can hopefully just get some dynamic, more dynamic kind of shot creation from him this year and hope that the three-point percentages kind of just continue as they have the last few years. Um, but again, I, I do think he's a bit of an under-the-radar guy. And playing in Detroit, I mean, you know, is there any illusion that, like, he's going to be some long-term piece in Detroit? No, I don't think so. Um, and so I, I do think he's a guy that if you're – looking for somebody who could be available for just the price of Grayson Allen and like nothing else. Um, I think he's actually that type of guy he makes about $10 million. So the salary is roughly matched. So that's what I like about Burks and kind of similarly to, um, you know, if we want to talk about guys who are kind of like um, to some extent, sort of like reclamation projects, um, Josh Richardson uh, makes about $12 million you know, and the irony here is that you know he had some really promising early, early few years in in Miami. He goes to Philly in the Jimmy Butler trade. I remember thinking like, oh man, Philly actually like yeah. getting Josh Richardson. That's like a decent save. Like at least they got like a, a quality starter out of that. And then just just never really seemed to to work in Philly. He eventually ends up. You know, he spends time in Dallas. He spends time in Boston, and it just feels like wherever he was, people just were like, ah. Eh. Josh Richardson, eh, kind of not great. And he's had kind of a, a quietly pretty solid year for the Spurs. But, you know, again, what do the Spurs, what do the Spurs need from, from Josh Richardson, given where they are? 
they don't need Josh Richardson, right? I mean, I'm sure they would happily give Josh Richardson away for anything. And again, could that be as, as minimal as, as Grace and Allen? I think you'd have to give up. You have to add in a little more additional salary uh, to make a deal. But, um, but again, he's a guy that is interesting because he's about six, six and he has sort of some combo guard skills. Again, like, do you want him running the offense in the playoffs against the Celtics? No. Um, but he could actually dribble the ball up the basketball court. <laughs> you know, he's been a four assist guy at one point when he was in Miami. He averaged, you know, he had a 16 point per game season. He's a he's a solid three point shooter. Definitely not a he's, he's not a good as, as good a three point shooter as Grace now, and he's not a really high volume three point shooter. But you know, competent three point shooter. Um, so again, like if you're looking for a guy that is sort of a caretaker um, and and maybe more of like kind of what early George Hill was. Um, in Milwaukee, like maybe that that could be kind of like the role he has where he's kind of a bigger guard, um, can play the one or the two a bit and give you some of the depth that that obviously right now we've we've seen tested. So I think Richardson's definitely an interesting guy. Again, like, you know, our Bucks fans going to be doing backflips if the big, you know, trade trade deadline acquisition is Josh Richardson or Alec Burks. I get it. People aren't going to be, <laughs> be super excited about it, but um you know, if, if the price of doing that was again, not, maybe you wouldn't even have to give up grace. I mean, can you get Josh Richardson for not even giving up grace now? And I think probably the contracts are probably too tough to match at that point. Um, but I don't think you'd have to, I mean, at that point, like given grace and Allen's age and contract control, like, can you actually like, well, maybe it'd be a little rich to expect the Spurs to give you a second round pick, uh, coming back in that deal. But, um, but at a minimum, um, you know, I think he's at least a guy that if you squint at hard enough, like maybe he does have one or two good playoff series in him. And I think he's a little more matchup proof um, given his size defensively than, than Grayson is. So to me, that one, we've talked about a number of guys who are like more, cause they're more dynamic offensively, like a Clarkson or even a Beasley as a shooter, they're, they're upgrades to Grayson Allen because of their offense. I look at Richardson as a guy who's like mainly more because of his defensive versatility and, and the fact that he can just handle the ball a little bit versus the fact that he's going to, you know, give you like some sort of dynamic scoring or something like that. Yeah. I'm not that old, all that excited in Josh Richardson. I, I tell you, he would laugh at Josh Richardson, probably Celtics fans. Uh, it seems like yeah. as you pointed to when he got traded to, and maybe Philadelphia fans as well, because when that trade went down, he was, as you pointed to, he was a young player with promise. And then he's kind of uh, just bounced around since then so again Richardson maybe it's low cost but it kind of feels like crazy to say this I, you know if you had said this two years ago it would have been like a pretty hilarious thing but give me Alec Burks over Josh Richardson for this team which you know again it's just not something I would have seen myself saying uh 24 months ago whoever we got to from this list uh Cam Radish is interesting is that yeah is that I, I, I think I think the two other guys that I would sort of call like reclamation projects to an extent. I think Cam Reddish is is probably the biggest reclamation project. I mean, he's an expiring six million dollar contract, so the appeal there is that he's cheap in terms of acquiring. Um, you know, you wouldn't even necessarily need to include Grayson Allen in in that type of trade. I don't know really what the Knicks would be looking for, but considering that Cam Reddish is like basically like not you know part of their their rotation right now. Um, it, it may not need to be a whole lot. Um, he hasn't been playing lately <laughs> at all. Um, I think, you know, it's funny, Reddish is a former lottery pick. He's a guy that I have always been very skeptical of. You know, I always pointed to his, like, two-point field goal percentage at Duke, even in, like, high school, like, was always underwhelming. He's just a guy that, like, just has never been able to be consistently efficient. His three-point shot has shown at least some degree of development, Maybe the best game of his life came against the Bucks in what was that game six yeah. of the Eastern Finals when he just like hit. Do you think he did he hit six? Come back from injury, and yeah, just couldn't miss. Yeah, and um, and so I think for him, it's again he's got really good size. Um, you know, again, is he going to be your starting shooting guard the rest of this year? I I don't really think that that is a fair expectation, but he is kind of a flyer type guy. He's still very young, um, and he has defensive tools as well that I think you would look at and say, Hey, we can put him on the floor defensively against the Boston Celtics. And you know, okay. Do you want him, you know, having to lock down Jason Tatum for extended stretches? No, but at least switchable in a pinch. Can he handle, you know, a guy like with Jalen Brown size, you know, Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon are not going to like, you know, just completely overpower him or something like that. So he's at least a guy that is, is 
kind of like interesting. I, I think I think there was a recycled rumor of Bucks interest in him at one point. I don't think the Bucks have. I don't think there's been any confirmed interest from in the Bucks during this season. But I think there would maybe have been some like thing where the Bucks kicked the tires like at the draft last year or something like that. So um, so he's again another guy that it's like, oh, we don't have anything else going on. Okay, George Hill and Jordan Wara like later guys like bringing Cam Reddish and and see if there's really anything that that you might be able to get out of him. Um, the other guy uh, who. He is playing, and I, I think he actually uh, has been starting here of late. But Gary Harris with the Magic, he was a guy that we talked about a little bit during the summer. I was surprised at the the contract number that he got, $13 million a year. I thought he might even have – maybe he could have even been a, a, you know, a mid-level type guy. Probably not a taxpayer mid-level guy, but uh, but maybe just a, a non-tax mid-level at $9 million, $10 million. Instead, he gets kind of like a – kind of a, him and um, Mobamba kind of both got these like – you know, sort of one plus, I think they're both non-guaranteed or something their second years. So essentially kind of like kept them on the books, gave them a nice contract number this year, but you know, are the magic sold on those guys as sort of long-term solutions? Like uh, let's, let's be honest, probably not. Right. Um, So again, he's 28 years old. I mean, he's the same age as Grayson Allen. Um, There are definitely a fair bit of similarities. He seems to have recovered some of his three point shooting that he kind of mysteriously lost a mid injury in Denver when he had such a promising start to his career. Um, you know, he's six, four, he's not a really big guy, but you know, he's, I think at least certainly his reputation would be stronger as a defender. Um, and certainly a shooting guard and a guy that, you know, you could say, okay, that's going to be, you know, our starting shooting guard for the rest of this year. And that would feel like a reasonable, a reasonable thing to do. But, but again, is he, you know, some, some big upgrade over grace now? Probably not. Uh, and so I, I do think he'd probably, need to include, you know, a second round pick or something like that. If you're shipping out, you know, Grayson Allen and, and George Hill or something like that. So, so yeah, let's call, you know, Josh Richardson, Gary Harris, um, Cam Reddish. Um, we can call those guys sort of the, um, you know, the, the reclamation projects as it were. Uh, and so again, like if the, if the price is too steep on some of the, the guys that we mentioned earlier, you know, again, maybe, maybe those are guys that, that you get at a, at a more favorable discount uh, and could still be guys that that have some sort of you know positive role and 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 niche on on this bucks roster yeah and gary harris i believe if i'm remembering this correctly was part of the aaron gordon deal and was actually really liked uh in denver but they obviously found a trade and sometimes that's the way it goes and we had a question in the stream asking why are we anti grayson allen well the the big point of all this is just the ten million dollar salary. The Bucks don't have a lot of salary to to put together four trades, and Grayson Allen is the obvious candidate. I would say it would be a pretty difficult life that he is living at the moment in terms of understanding the situation when it comes to a trade. And if the Bucks are making a trade, he's almost certainly going to be in it. So, yeah, maybe it's not a surprise that he's been missing some shots. I'm sure he's feeling a bit of extra pressure these last few weeks. So we should. Um, obviously acknowledge that. I think we've hit every name on this list. Justin Holiday is one you've got there. Uh, Frank, and as I mentioned, you've got the role there. Uh, 3&D wings slash nepotism targets. Uh, another Holiday, add him to the roster, you think? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Giannis and, and Brooke have had their brothers on the team. So, you know, it would only be be fair to uh, to to bring Justin, to bring another Holiday into the mix. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean... 33, which kind of sneaky. Like I, I always, yeah, I used to always think of Justin as being younger than Drew, just because he wasn't a highly touted guy that, that got to the league early, but he is actually older, older than Drew. Um, I think, I mean, we've seen him, you know, with like the Pacers recently, like he, he, he's a guy that can get hot from three and, uh, and, you know, as a shooter has some dynamism, solid defender. So, uh, you know, again, as sort of a cheap option would, would not necessarily be, be a bad fit. But um, but yeah, I again, yeah, we always got to look for these brother connections, right? We know the Bucks love a love a good family reunion um, <laughs> on their roster. So uh, so yeah, I think that, I think that kind of covers um, that kind of covers everything. And and again, if we miss something, uh, miss someone, let us know. Um, we've got I've got a bunch of other guys that are you know, if we were talking about power forwards or or small ball centers, things like that, there are a bunch of other guys that. I think we talked about during the summer that that I just I'm not really putting on my list now. Whether it's Harrison Barnes, obviously we've talked about Crowder a lot. You know, Larry Nance, PJ Washington, um, you know, Kenrich Williams. Like 
there, there are a lot of guys out there that, you know, it, it, under other circumstances, I might find more interesting, but I think just, again, kind of looking at, well, what are the, what are the, what is the Bucks actual need and where are their questions? Um, you know, I think to the question about, do we just, why do we not like Grayson Allen? I mean, I think we've been probably much more def- defenders of Grayson Allen <laughs> than, than many people. Um, I think he's a very solid NBA player in sort of the abstract sense, but I think it's just like, I keep coming back to, you know, fundamentally, I think you need to largely optimize this roster using the question of how do you match up with the Boston Celtics and who's, you know, the big question I think they have is who is your starting shooting guard against the Boston Celtics? We've seen now through last year's playoffs and we saw it again on Christmas day, like Grayson Allen just is not a good matchup for the Boston Celtics. Again, if you had another guy that you felt good about starting at shooting guard, whether it was, you know, Pat Connaughton or hell, Marjon Bochamp, you know, like give, give the kid a chance over the rest of this season to just kind of see what he has and hope that he's a, hope that he's a quick study and can, you know, not sort of drown in, in the pressure of, of the playoffs. Um, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm open to that discussion and Grayson Allen becomes a bench guy. Then I don't feel as, as, as much urgency to try to make a move around Grayson Allen. But if the bucks are sitting around saying like, Hey, Grayson's Allen our starting shooting guard. Then as you said, he's the, the most obvious uh, salary to move. And he's the most obvious position that you need to upgrade. And you know, the piece too is, I mean, we know there's been pretty, you know, there've been verified reports of the bucks shopping him and, and looking at this potential Crowder deal and, and other potential opportunities. So it only makes sense for us to, to talk about deals with kind of using him as the primary salary, because we know that the bucks have been actively shopping him and seeing what they could get for, for Grayson Allen. So again, not, nothing personal to, to Grayson Allen. Uh, you know, thankfully he, he broke out of his slump in the second half last night and hit that huge shot to win that game in Toronto. Um, and, and again, the bar is not, it's not like he's, you know, some some bad player that you know almost anybody you acquire would would be better than i think the shooting in particular uh some of the off the dribble um kind of rim attack you know close out attacking um has he's he's been good in that regard um but the question again is you know from a matchup perspective from a playoff perspective and who are you going to go into the trenches with against the boston celtics i just think the bucks have to be looking at at other other options uh, beyond Grayson. And again, it's not just Grayson. It's also, you know, the backup point guards as well. Um, what other options do they have there to, to, to kind of make a difference? All right. Let's look to wrap this up. But one name that's come up in the stream quite a bit, particularly here in the last few minutes, Kyle, uh, Carl Kuzma. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, who we just saw a couple times in a row, and he took about 95 shots in that last game uh, that we saw there and did not make many of them. He's got 13 mil this year, a 13 mil player option next year. I think it's very clear that Milwaukee is not the city for him long term. Uh, but, you know, honestly, if, if you were asking me if, if for whatever reason, and I, I suspect he's played pretty well, so I suspect that you know that they would probably want a first round pick or something like that, even though it is only probably going to be a rental. But if for some reason you could pull something off, like similar to the PJ Tucker trade and get Carl, uh, Carl Kuzma, Carl Kuzma for the run to the postseason, I'd be down for that. If uh, if it was Allen and pieces that you don't think are going to play in the postseason, so Kuzma at least uh, interests me, Frank. And then before we go. I have to bring up this man. If you're making a two-for-one trade and you're like, hey, we need some uh, guard help as well. Late-season addition, Dante Exum playing very nice basketball over in Europe, getting you about 12 points per game, over 40% from three, around four assists per game. Excellent defense. We saw in the Olympics. At times, he was defending Kevin Durant. He can defend. He can switch. He's got size at the guard position, so I'm just throwing Dante Exum up there. If you make a trade somewhere else, do whatever you can to drag that man over. And I don't know if you can trust him health-wise for 82 games, Frank, but for a run to the postseason, he's a guy you could play straight away. He's been balling out over there. Hey, you don't need to make the case to me. I mean, um, by the way, when you when you brought up Kuzma, I thought you were going to say, oh, people in the stream talking about Dante Exum. Um, no, no. No, nobody in the stream is talking about Dante Exum. Um, <laughs> no, I like Exum. I mean, he's 6'6", right? I think for a team like the Bucks, where – you can use some ball handling, but you're not looking for a guy that needs to like run the offense all the time. Um, the fact that he's 
shot the, th- I don't know what he's, I, I don't know if you know offhand what he's shooting from three this year. I know last year in Europe, he shot the three ball extremely well. And I think he shot it pretty well in the Olympics as well, obviously slightly shorter line, but, um, but you know, it seems like the three point shot has been solid. And, and again, I, I don't think you're looking at him as like, Oh, he's the, the problem, the, the solution to all your problems at the starting shooting guard spot. I think no. it's more about like, Hey, here's a guy that is potentially, you know, pretty dynamic with the ball bucks are a team that, do not have a lot of athleticism and, you know, rim attacking ability. Um, and certainly, you know, we're again, seeing that they're kind of always having to make compromises in terms of guys that can play offense versus play some defense. And there's a version of Dante Exum, I think that can defend um, at a, at least average to, to positive, you know, above average um, level in the NBA. I mean, you know, you saw that, in the, I mean, that you, that you talk, I think they played a couple times, but he defended James Harden back in those, in, you know, this is probably three, four years ago at this point. But um, I just remember being really impressed with just, I mean, his tenacity on ball. And, and again, his size um, is, uh, is, is a big asset for him. So, yeah, I mean, just as a basketball fan, I, I hope he makes it back to the NBA at some point, just because, you know, he had such a kind of, you know, disappointing career in terms of the injuries and just sort of never, kind of getting things to, to work out between Utah and Cleveland and wherever else he, he ended up. So, so yeah, shout out to Dante Exum as, as the perpetual, why don't we take a flyer on this guy, guy. Um, he, he would be fun uh, at some point, but uh, yeah, let's just say, let, let's not all like get, get worked up about Dante Exum. Cause I'm going to go ahead and say that I, I, <laughs> I do not expect to see Dante Exum in the NBA, let alone play for the Milwaukee Bucks. Agree. 47, uh, 45% from three this season Ooh. across 27 games. Pretty small volume, obviously. Wait, who is he playing? Is he playing in Turkey this year? Is that, where is he playing? Partizan. 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 Oh, Partizan. Serbia. Belgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we get all their games over here. Who would have thought? Uh, but, yeah, honestly, I, mean, I don't think he's coming to the NBA. I'm happy to see him healthy as well, though. Shout out to I, that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, hey, not to diminish – Belgrade, but um, selling Milwaukee shouldn't be too hard um, if if the guy's playing in, <laughs> in Belgrade, right? I mean, come on, yeah. come on, Dante. The water's warm. Talk to talk to our guy Joe Ingles. Talk to our guy Kane Pittman. Have you ever interviewed Dante at, at any point? I was in Utah a couple of times when he was over there, and they wouldn't let me like officially uh, interview him because he was injured. But we just like hung out in the locker room a few times. Like he's a nice guy. I don't think he loves doing that stuff. I've been chasing him for years and uh, have been knocked back every time. Hey, it's actually a theme. That he might we're not just like you. He might just not like you. I mean, again, no, I don't think anyone does. Uh, and I, I don't know why. I'm a nice guy, Frank. Yeah, come on. Yeah, super nice guy. Let's wrap um, it up. We've been going an hour. What do you think? Well, if we're going to go an hour, I mean, we actually prepared. I, I put stuff on a goddamn spreadsheet for this. So um, I think uh, if ever we're going to go an hour, it's it's on a, on a topic like this. So hopefully people have had their minds stimulated. And if uh, if you guys think of other potential targets, let us know. And and just to my two cents on Kuzma, again, I, I didn't include him because I don't think he's a guy that, that role-wise, like, again, I just don't think a – kind of a big three, but more of a four type player. I just don't think that's really kind of the the Bucks need, especially given that he's not going to come cheap. He's had a really good year. I mean, he's averaging what 21, seven and three or something like that. He's looking for a huge payday. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really look at him as a guy that I want to, you know, would want to commit. I don't know. I don't know what Kyle Kuzma wants. I'm sure Kyle Kuzma thinks he's like, you know, $30 million a year player or something like that. I, I don't share that enthusiasm um certainly for 14 million 13 million he's great value um but i i think there's also going to be a fair bit of competition for his services so yeah i just the bucks just don't feel like a team that that would be the the landing destination especially if his his best position is probably the same one as as a certain Giannis Adetokounmpo's all right Thanks for listening to Locked On Bucks today. We absolutely appreciate it, but make sure you listen to Game to Game NBA as well. Some crazy scores across the league today. I seen the Nuggets were up by about 40 on the Clippers, but there's every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, 
this won't be the last time we have a trade conversation, Frank, but the Bucks are back in action tomorrow. They're playing Charlotte. And uh, at this point in time, uh, Chris Milton out, uh, no surprise. But everyone else seems like they're pro- – well, they've been at least listed as probable. So we might get uh, at least close to a full slate of players, but we'll find out closer to tip-off. It is the weekend and it is Charlotte. So uh, let's just say it's a maybe for a post-game pod on the weekend. But uh, if you subscribe – and you've got the notifications on, then you'll know if we decide to do it. So make sure you do that. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. As Frank said, continue to send through (laughs) your names and your potential trades. What the hell are you laughing at, Frank? So when I'm on my phone, I can't see the comments. (laughs) I'm on my desktop, and now I can see the comments, and uh, I'm just enjoying some of the comments. Uh, Cerulean Clouds um, with the comment, Ibaka is the team cook, bro. They can't trade him. Um, I thought I, when I saw Cook and and Serge Ibaka, and I thought it was some comment about Serge Ibaka being cooked, uh, which may also be true. <laughs> but um, anyway, Serge Ibaka as the team as the team cook, team chef, just kind of kind of makes me laugh. Um, we don't really talk about Serge Ibaka a whole lot, which is probably for the best. Um, and I, I really hope we don't in like a month after the trade deadline. I really hope there's not some injury to our bigs, and we say, "Oh crap! Why didn't the ball?" Fire a, a big man that could that could help them play, you know, small ball small ball lineups. Um, then I'll then I'll be taking back my whole uh, obsession with with shooting guards and 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 wings and stuff. But um, knock on wood, Brooke Lopez, good health or bust. That's uh, that's I think the reality for for the Bucks this year. No question. And Green Ranger a little bit late to the party, I think. Unfortunately, he said, can we please discuss a prototypical shooting guard, someone six six tall? I'm going to have to get you to get back to the start of the podcast, my friend. Uh, plenty of discussions along the way of plenty of names. We appreciate it. If you did jump in late, go back to the start and have a listen. Uh, Frank does the groundwork for this podcast uh, in a situation like this. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's wrap it up. Thanks to everyone for jumping in on the live stream. We absolutely appreciate it. Uh, like I said, subscribe and you'll know when we have a podcast next. But Monday to Friday, guaranteed. Uh, weekends, you never know what's going on. Bucks and Hornets tomorrow. Enjoy the game. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.